Father, we just thank you for this morning, and we just thank you, God, for this time together. Just bless this message, Lord, so that we could really hear from you in a practical way. We don't want to be inundated or uh, we don't want to be overwhelmed with religious data or religious information. We want to know how to walk and live our life with you. And bless this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, This will be the second in a series on the hearts. And we've been teaching on the heart. We started last week. And I think next week will be our last day on the heart. And we'll talk about next week about the healing of a broken heart. Uh, There's a lot of broken hearts today. And I think that a lot of us can identify with that. Broken for many different reasons. And uh, people go to psychologists, psychiatrists, they go to uh, uh, palm readers, they go to really, they go to the internet, they go to social media, and they're looking for healing of a broken heart. And every one of us, because we are fallen people, we're not perfect, and I think all of us would agree with that, uh, we have uh, injured hearts. Our heart is damaged in some way. Now, um, how many of you know someone that's had a heart attack or a heart disease? Raise your hand. How many know? Okay. Uh, there are over 500,000 Americans a year that are impacted by heart disease and by heart problems. The number is most definitely larger of Americans that suffer uh, spiritual heart problems. And really, we said last week was that the heart is the core of a person. The heart is the core. Uh, If you look at the soul as a tree, uh, the roots of the soul are in the heart. And wherever the heart is, is really where our treasure is going to be. And wherever our treasure is, that's where our heart's going to be. And that's what the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew. And so our heart, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, we said last week, is what we need to guard the most. Guarding our heart. That threshold of our heart needs to be guarded. Because the heart can be so easily stolen, it can be, we can e- so easily give it away. Because we're looking for something, we're looking for uh, meaning, we're looking for personal value, we're looking for uh, a sense of passion or direction. And many times, most of the time, we go to other people, really with our heart in our hand, and we're saying, can you take my heart and make me feel valuable? <laughs> Sometimes men will marry women just to feel valuable because men, we struggle with insecurity. Women sometimes see that and they're looking for security and they're looking for, um, they're looking for definition in that sense. And they say, okay, I'll take your heart. And that's the worst transaction that could ever happen in, in human history. Do you know why? Because our heart has a hole in it. Our heart is, is very needy and... Uh, When we give our heart to another person, expecting from that person that they're going to give us what we need, we've already shot ourselves in the foot. It's just doomed from the start. You know what I'm saying? Because how can I ever expect another person, another family member, my boss or someone in my career or my children or, 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 or an organization that I'm a part of, is going to be able to meet the eternal needs of my heart? That's unbelievable. Can you imagine at a wedding ceremony, you know, when they say, do you take 
so-and-so and, and to love and cherish and till death do you part. And I should know that all by heart because I'm a pastor. I think I do. Uh, and can you imagine if we added to that and, and I'm giving you my heart and you're going to be a perfect caretaker of my heart till the day we die. That would be a hard, that would be a tall order, wouldn't it? To put on some, can you imagine the pressure put on you if somebody gives you their heart and you cannot in any way drop it and you cannot in any way hurt it? That's, that, that is what we call expectation. And expectation, when it's put on another person to care for something that only God can care for perfectly, is setting us up for a disaster, isn't it? It's setting us up for a broken heart. Really, do you know what the difference between disappointment and discouragement is? It's two different words, and they sound, they relate to similar things, but disappointment is when I've put my heart in the hands of somebody else, expecting them to be only what God can be in my life, and I'm going to be disappointed. Definitely, 100%. 100% guarantee. <laughs> Discouragement is when I've trusted in my own self and trusted in my own way to make sure that. I'm going to keep my own steps and I've got these high standards for myself and I'm going to get discouraged because I'm not perfect. And so whenever we take our heart, that needy part of us, that center, that core of us, and we put it into a person, an object. Um, I saw something really sad on 495 the other day. Not, well, maybe a year ago. I'm just thinking of this now. I, I was, maybe it was two years ago when I was, when I was commuting from Baltimore up here preach and uh, I'm driving up and it was Sunday morning and as you know Sunday morning there's a lot of um, nice cars on the road there were probably seven or eight um, cars that were specialized cars uh, these small um, one was a Ferrari another one was a Maserati these were like they were flying and one in the front had a had a, a Hero Pro camera on the top of it that was rotating, and then it was a whole line of cars, and the one in the back had the same thing. And they were probably doing over 100 miles an hour. On 495, you know from Delaware, uh, Wilmington, up to where it meets 95, do you know that stretch there? Okay, it just seems to be a long stretch where everybody goes as fast as they can. They just flew right by me, and I, I, I was not going slow either. I won't tell you how fast I was going, but I was not going very slow. I was driving, I'd like to say, proactively. I think the authorities would use a different word, but they just, like, zipped right by me, and I, it was just a flash of bright red and blue and just, you know, funny, funny purple, and I, I caught the cameras on it, and maybe two or three miles down the road, all the cars had pulled over, and one of them was just totally was just destroyed. The whole front end... It was just like someone had taken a Coke can and crunched it up. And the guy, they were all just, <laughs> all the guys were standing around the car just looking at the car. No one was really doing anything but just staring at the car. And I don't think anybody died. No, there, were no, there was no police there. And I thought that must have really ruined somebody's day. Somebody must have been really upset about that situation. And I think that when we put our hearts in things that can be so easily damaged and broken and end, we're going to be brokenhearted. And so that causes so much trouble. And I'm totally preaching a different message than I had prepared. So our little thing here on the bulletin, you can just try to follow that. Maybe we'll cover a couple points. But I just want to make, I think, a simple point this morning is, is that, and we can turn to Proverbs 23. 
and look at this here, that, and maybe I just repeat myself again in a different way, that we are bound for heartbreak and discouragement and disappointment when we put our heart in the hands of anyone else other than God. Proverbs 23, and I'm going to read from the New American Standard. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 26. You know, sometimes, sometimes we forget how practical the Bible is. Proverbs 23, verse 26. Book of Proverbs, the word Proverbs means wise sayings, and this is a book of just amazing wise sayings. 23, verse 26, it says this, Give me your heart, my son. This is God speaking to us today. Give me your heart, my son. And what is, what is the result? Let your eyes observe my ways. Now, what does that mean? It means that Proverbs chapter 23, verse 26. Just remember that verse if you're a young lady or a young man or whatever age we are at. If we give God our heart, then we're going to see God move. Give me your heart and you will observe my ways. If you want to see God move in your life to meet your personal needs and your private needs, Give God your heart. And just, you know, basically, you know, it's not very complicated. We just say, God, I'm giving you my heart. And sometimes we want to take it back, but it's like a daily decision. Before you get out of bed in the morning, just say, God, I'm giving you my heart. Before you check your phone in the morning. A lot of us, first thing we do is we, half away, we're looking at our phone. And I don't know how many do that, but, you know, we're just like, you know, like, I, sometimes like, why am I looking at my phone? I'm not even awake. <laughs> Give God your heart at the beginning of the day. Because when we do that, we are not going to be heartbroken. God wants to give us. When we give God our heart, he gives us a new heart. He gives us something in exchange. Look at this verse with me in Ezekiel chapter 36 um, and uh, verse 26. Ezekiel 36, 26. Ezekiel is one of the major prophets not too far after Isaiah. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. Maybe sometime in the future we can have our, the Bible verses on the screen. If, I don't know what it takes to do that. But Ezekiel 36, verse 26. It says this, Moreover, I will give you a new heart. And again, God's speaking to us. I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. And what does it say here? I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And what does that mean? God will remove the heart of stone. You know, when we hold on to our own heart, it's going to get hurt. And if we give it to people, they drop it, they break it, and we take it back. We put the pieces together, try to, get our, try to figure it all out. And our heart's damaged. And after a while, if it keeps getting damaged, it's going to become a heart of stone. Because if you damage something, and I don't know how many of you uh, work hard labor, but if you're working hard labor, after a while, your fingers are going to, your hands are going to turn into like, like you know, hard leather, because that's what happens. That we begin to callous. You know what calluses are? Um, I tried to play the guitar the other day. I haven't played for so long, and I just had to stop after five minutes because all the calluses are gone on my fingers, and it was so painful. <laughs> calluses. What they do is, is that they numb. It's like a hard um, layer of skin that has developed because of pressure, damage, destruction, 
abuse, um, hardship, and these calluses begin to form on your fingers or on your hands. And these calluses, what they do is they block the pain. They block the nerves from the end of the skin, and so there's no more feeling. And that can happen to the heart, that if the heart gets broken so many times, that by, a pers- by the time a young, or young, or a young man or woman has the, hit, the, hit the age of 40, their heart is very calloused. How many know what I'm talking about? Calloused hearts. And that can happen, and we see that in the world today. I mean, you can go on YouTube, and you can see these heartbreaking stories of just people being beat up or being killed on the street, and people just walking by. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's just so disturbing to see that. Why? Because hearts become calloused. Because people are thinking, well, I have my own problems, my own life, and my own pain to deal with. And it's true. When our heart becomes calloused, we just have no capacity for compassion for anybody else. You know, Christmas time is a time where, you know, people are just, we become, we become insane people driving our cars like madmen to the stores to buy things that people may not really even use or maybe even return very quickly to the store. Christmas is a time where really we want to have the heart of God, where we don't have a calloused heart, where we can have the heart of God. And a calloused heart is a heart that is one of um, three types of heart, spiritual heart disease. I want to just give you three types of spiritual heart disease. Um, there's heart disease in my family, and I've had many family members die of it. Um, my wife's really keeping me on a strict diet, so I never get it, but... Heart disease can happen in the spiritual form. And you maybe today you're thinking, well, I don't believe in God, or you know, I don't even know what this is. I don't know who these people are. I don't even feel like a part. Whether, with that aside, the, the point is, is that as a human being, we have a heart. And it can, get, it can become very injured. And I want to just mention three things in Ephesians 4, verses 17 and 19. I want to read this to you. Um, you don't necessarily need to turn there because because of time, but Ephesians chapter 4, Paul gives a list of three things that can um, describe a spiritual heart disease. Number one, and I'll just read this to you, uh, verses 17 through 19. This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as Gentiles. Gentiles, remember, were the non-Jewish type of people in the futility of their minds. Paul's saying, don't walk in the futility of your mind. Um, Futility really is, another word is vanity, or just the uh, uh, lack of purpose. Uh, The heart without purpose is a sick heart. And I think that a lot of people are looking for their eternal purpose. That is why God wants to inject into our heart an eternal purpose. I remember as a teenager just being so lost and just wandering around, not even knowing what I wanted to do and kind of just doing what people were doing. And I just remember being by myself. It was very hard because I had no purpose in my life and no no understanding about what is my core desire in my life. And um, without core desire, we just get pulled into the latest whatever. And we find ourselves empty with that hole in the heart. See, the hole that we were born with in our heart is a hole that only God can fill. It's a puzzled shape um, image that only Jesus Christ can fill that place. And when when He dwells in our heart by faith, when we give God our heart and we receive Him into our life and we allow Him to dwell in us by faith, 
what will happen is, is that we are very content people. And we discover, see, sometimes people look at the, us and, and they say, all oh, these, <laughs> you know, we feel bad for those people that are Christians. I said this to the other day to someone on the street. I said, you know, I'm a Christian. And they go, oh, I'm so, okay, I'm so sad. To, I feel so bad for you. My condolences. <laughs> I was like, why? So, because, you know, you're not allowed to do all these things. You're not allowed to do that. And I said, that's not the case. I mean, my free will is still there. I mean, you know, I can still go out and destroy my life if I wanted to. It's not recommended. But I still have a will in my life. And, and, and they were surprised to hear that when you find God in your life, your life turns around. You find something that it's a spiritually empowering purpose in our life that goes way beyond human purpose. But there are three things that Paul here talks about um, in verse 18, being darkened in their understanding or in their heart. Darkened, a dark heart. We've heard this out there uh, in the world. A dark heart that is covered with darkness because of the absence of the grace of God. Romans 1 verse 21. That's a beautiful verse, and I'm just going to quickly read verses, uh, verse 21. It says, Because they knew not God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and became foolish. Their hearts, their foolish hearts became darkened. A darkened heart. Ever have that cloud come over your heart where you just feel like my capacity to feel and to have compassion and to love and to hear God's voice has become darkened? Uh, darkness is really the first step of spiritual heart disease is when when we stop receiving grace in our life and we stop just thanking God for what's going on and the great things that are happening in our life. When times get very difficult, it's good for you and I to sit down and just to start thinking about what God is, what great things God has done in our life. And when we start doing that, even if you've done it before, when you start thanking God for these things, then your, the calluses and the darkness gets lifted from the heart. The grace of God always takes the darkness off the heart. Grace tells us that God wants to do things in our life that we have no way to deserve. Uh, it's like, I like to look at it like this. It's like having some, if you've really messed up your life, it's like somebody giving you a new social security number. You ever want a new, you ever want a new identity and a new social security number? Well, instead of seeing the mafia and buying that, and I don't know who would do that, uh, go to God and God will give you a new identity. You ever see those films? Like, you're going to get a new identity. And they hand them a yellow envelope and there's a new passport in there and new name and everything. Well, with God, it's even better. We have a new identity, a new heart. The second problem that can happen in the process of spiritual heart disease is blindness. And that's in the next part of the verse. It says, um, darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God because of the, because of the ignorance that was in them. Blindness talks about, I'm reading from the New American Standard here. Blindness is when the heart has been darkened to a certain point where I can no longer see clearly. I cannot see with eyes of compassion. I look at somebody and, they, and, and their situation doesn't touch me. You know, that's a, good, that's a good way marker. That's a good red flag to pop up in our life that we're spiritually in trouble. When somebody's in trouble and I have no compassion, um, I look at their situation and it doesn't, it doesn't move me. It's called a blinded heart. 
And we see this um, in Mark chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Jesus is in a situation where there's a man that had a, a physical problem. And everybody was just pushing him away, avoiding him. It was embarrassing to have a person with a handicap in their midst. And that is kind of a thought today where handicapped people are kind of shunned in some cases because they're not perfect and they're not, well, people don't think that they're perfect, but they really are amazing and they're very much uh, heroes in our lives because they have gone through so many things that they could teach us so many things on how to suffer and how to walk with God. But Jesus here sees this this man in Mark 3 verses 5 and 6. They shun him and it says, and Jesus, when he looked around and at them with anger. He was angry at the blindness of their heart. Being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Jesus really had a problem with Christianity that had no compassion. People that really, that church was just inside the doors and never left the doors. I want to get a sign to go over our door as people go out. You are now entering the mission field. I think that would be a great little sign to have over our red doors there. Uh, because our Christianity goes beyond our preferences. When we have the heart of God, which is a new heart, we are touched with a feeling of people's infirmities, as it says in Hebrews chapter 4. Blindness of heart. And then the third, the third and the last stage of spiritual heart disease we find here in, um, uh, in verse 19, and they, having become callous, have even given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. We get into a place of just living without feelings, past feeling. No, no longer feeling pain because of the callous um, heart. Uh, no longer. And the, the Greek word here that is used is a word that we use today in a medical term. Um, analgesic. How many know what that word means? It's where we get our word. Yes, thank you. I, I'm not a nurse. How do you say that right? Analgesic. Analgesic. There you go. Thanks. You can tell I have no medical understanding whatsoever. I can't even say that word. It's, a, it's, like, where we, it's like no feeling. How many of you have ever had surgery and you had to, they had to put you under? Yeah. Okay. So I had, a, I had a hernia surgery. I'll tell you really quick. And they were interviewing me. They said, um, you know, they said, well, do you smoke? I go, no, I don't smoke. They said, do you drink? I don't drink. No, I don't drink. They, Are you on any medication? No, none. They go, none? None. They're like, none? <laughs> a none. Are you on any painkillers? I go, no, no, no. And then at the end, they're like, they're like, okay, they're kind of looking at me like, and so when I go to surgery, they gave me extra of this um, anesthesia because they thought I was, they thought I was living in denial or something, or just you know. And they thought, okay, he's a drug addict. Uh, we, he, again, he's going to really need an extra dose because you know, people that have a high tolerance because of pain medication don't go under so easily or don't stay under so long. So it took me. The operation was what, honey? Forty-five minutes or a half hour? I was out for six hours. <laughs> Oh, okay. Four and a half hours? Wow. Very bad hernia, I guess. <laughs> Bulging hernia. But um, I was, yeah, and, and I had no feeling <laughs> for the six, for, you know, and then I was just groggy going home. And this can happen to the heart, no feeling. We no longer hear the voice of God. We don't hear, the word of God does no, does no longer convict us. 
and no lo- we're no longer touched with the voice of God, and there's no compassion. And this was the condition of the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 27, and 28. The Pharisees were like the religious mafia of the day. They were engaged with, with religious racketeering. They were putting people into bondage. They were blackmailing people with their sin. And they were really um, putting burdens on people that they could not even bear themselves. And the Pharisees had, had this, these hearts that had no feeling left. And so I want to just end with this, that in Ezekiel 36, 26, God gives us a new heart. You know, this new, we give God our heart, and God gives us a new heart. You know, there are needs in our life. We are human beings. There are things that we desire, right? Of course, we desire things we, that are normal human, human desires that God has put into our heart. But we have to let God fulfill those desires, because... We have no idea really how to fulfill those desires ourselves. If I go out and try to, suppose I'm sick and I'm dying of a disease and I try to self-prescribe, I'm in trouble, aren't I? I have no idea really how to prescribe what I need. We need to go to the doctor, the, the, the eternal doctor, God, and say, God, here's my sick heart. And here's the heart where the condition of my heart, it's needy. It, it needs value. It needs love. It needs attention. It needs... It needs recognition. It needs um, comfort. And, and that is the condition of every human being. And until we give God our heart and trust God for our needs and trust God for our desires, then we're not going to be truly happy people. You know, there's a lot of Christians today and religious people that uh, do not give God their desires because they feel in some way that that's not spiritual. They think, well, I can't give God my desires because... I'm not supposed to desire anything. I'm supposed to just fulfill the Ten Commandments and not make a lot of ruckus about it. But, you know, God puts things in our heart. And I think that that's the... Uh, my wife got a card for Helena. I think that's the verse on Helena's card. God put... God gives us desires, and he wants to, he wants to be the one that fulfills them. And when we let God fulfill those desires, then what will happen is is that we have four characteristics, which are the characteristics of God's heart. Next Sunday, I want to talk about God, how God heals the heart, because I think there needs a lot of, there's a lot of abuse today in the world. Many people, way more than we even realize, have been abused in their lives in one way or another. I'm going to talk about how God heals next week, how God heals that broken heart in a very practical way. But when we give God our heart, He gives us a heart, and it's got four characteristics. Number one, we see in Ezekiel 36, 26, he gives us a soft heart. You ever talk to someone who's got a soft heart? It's amazing, isn't it? They just give a, they're, they're, they're giving, they're sensitive. Um, they see things that other people don't see because they get the heart of God. It's easily broken. As a Christian, when we give God our heart, we have to understand that God may break it, but the way he breaks it is not this traumatic, um, uh, cruel thing that he does in our life. He breaks it because he wants to expand it, and he wants to heal it, and he wants to make it soft again. The second thing that God's heart that's given to us is a heart that is compassionate. It's easily moved. You know, think of Jesus in Matthew 9 when he saw the multitudes of people without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion. You know, being moved. I mean, seeing a situation is being moved in the heart. 
Number three, the heart of God that God gives us is the heart that honors God. Remember David when he, when he cut off the king's um, piece of the king's robe when the king wasn't aware of it? Um, and later on it says that David's heart smote him or like David's heart was um, convicted because he had touched God's man, he had touched God's anointed. God's heart is a heart that is very easily convicted and it's a heart that is very sensitive to the word of God. And then the fourth thing and the last thing is is Proverbs, uh, Psalm 15, verse 2, which says that it, the heart, it speaks truth in the heart, speaking truth in our heart. And this is very important. I'm going to close with this, that we need to speak the truth to ourselves. You know, if I have a problem with someone telling me the truth, then I can, I can know that I'm not telling myself the truth. Because if I deceive myself, if I'm living in self-deception, anyone that ever confronts me is going to be an enemy. And so speak the truth in your heart. Take the word and speak it to yourself. Because when we hide the word of God in our heart, then God gives us a heart that's on fire. And this is a fiery heart that God wants to give us. And I, I love Luke 24, verses 27 through 35. Remember when Jesus was walking down the road of Emmaus? Uh, and the disciples, and then Jesus catches up with them. This is after the, the crucifixion of Christ. And remember when he was crucified, and all, everyone's leaving Jerusalem. They're like, well, I guess that's over. Jesus got crucified, and that's the end of that. And they didn't realize that he was going to rise on the third day. And so they're walking away from Jerusalem on the road uh, to a city outside of Jerusalem called Emmaus. They're going in the wrong direction because of they had put their heart in a in a movement instead of God himself. And they're walking along, and then Jesus comes up, and they don't recognize Jesus. See, their heart has already been blinded, and it's numb, and it's not sensing the presence of God. And Jesus is walking with them, and he's talking with them. And he's asking them, quite, who was this Jesus, and what did he do, and, and who are you, and what things happened in Jerusalem? And these, these disciples were amazed. They're like, well, who are you? I haven't, all of Jerusalem's talking about this. This is on the news 24-7 in Jerusalem. Where have you been at? And Jesus is there talking with them. And it says a very, very beautiful point in those verses. Is as they talked, their hearts burned. Isn't it amazing that when we have the heart of God, uh, when we commune with Jesus in the word of God, our heart's burning. You know, we're in church and we're talking about the word of God. It, our hearts commune and then uh, our burn. And then secondly, uh, when we commune with Jesus in fellowship, our hearts are passionately burning. And then lastly, when we share with other people what Christ has done, there's a burning in our heart. I just want to say that give your heart to God. He'll give you a new heart with a heart of purpose, a heart of direction, a heart of, a heart of clarity. And the core of who you are He's going to impact the rest of your life. You know, if our heart is sick, then I'm going to have problems with motivating myself. I'm not going to be able to get out of bed in the morning. I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be angry. Little things are just going to take, take me over. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and this is the point I want to make, is that when we give our heart to God, we're going to have a healthy heart, and we just want to, get, we want to guard that. And so just keep that in mind. Proverbs 23, verse 26 
give me your heart, my son, and you will observe my ways. Just give him your heart, give him your desires and your expectations. And God, I promise, 100% guarantee, money back guarantee, <laughs> God will give you the best. Just wait on him. He's going to do it. Amen? Amen? Amen. So I know it's getting a little chilly in here, but let's uh, close our eyes. And I have a little, um, a little video that I want to just play um, right after we pray. And I just have a little, um, it's a little thing that I saw on the internet. It's called Paper Heart. Yeah, I'll just plug it in. My heart was born blank slate, ready to be written on, to be filled up with the language of love. That's what I believed. I was wrong. My heart was a rock, an unmovable object, a stone temple for loving only myself. My heart was untouchable, unable to give. Unable to feel what mattered most. But then you spoke to it. You spoke of a love that bleeds. You wanted my crumbling heart. You changed it. And it began to feel. And it began to hurt. The sorrow of my stubbornness burned. I wished to be stoned again. And then you spoke your love again, more loudly still. And suddenly I knew what my heart was for. I gave it to you. I asked you to keep it. You filled it with praise. It ached with longing for you. My joy flowed over, even into my sorrow. Finally I began to notice hearts of stone all around me, a world full of lovelessness, a million hearts that needed yours, and mine broke for them, as it never could have before. You brought it to life, and gave me the words to tell them, of a love that turns hearts of stone into hearts that beat for you. Let's just end with a word of prayer.
Father, we just thank you for this time together. Lord, we want to give you our hearts today. And we just want to do that between you and I. Just want to give you our hearts because we can't keep our own hearts. Other people can't keep our own hearts. We just ask you to keep it for us. And as we do, you give us a new heart, a heart that can hear the voice of God, that's sensitive to the things that he's doing and that he's saying. We want to do that today by faith. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you for this Christmas season. Thank you for what you're doing in people's lives. Thank you that you're alive today, that you're not just a baby in the manger, but you're the victorious king that rose from the dead. Bless our Christmas, Lord. And we know that this is a hard time for a year for a lot of people because of broken families or just um, things that are unresolved in people's lives. We really want to be used by you to love people, love our families, and have hearts of compassion during this time. And bless this service and bless those words that we said today. In Jesus' name, amen. We have um, communion this, this afternoon or now, so if we could just have the um, plates ready to be handed out. And I'll just say a few words quickly about the communion. Um, We have communion in our church for really anyone, and uh, we, use, we do this to celebrate, as Jesus said, uh, the communion of Christ that he had with his disciples, and uh, Jesus was with his disciples that evening, at the evening that uh, he was to be crucified. And he said to them that with great desire have I desired to partake of this meal with you. And then he went through a process that we often re remember, first Sunday of every month. He went through this procedure where he said regarding the bread and the drink that they had. And he talked about the meanings of the bread and the drink, and I will do that today with you. He took the bread, and Jesus said, this is a symbol of my body. And what that means is, is that Jesus had to pay for our sins in the flesh because sin was unpaid for, and it was an unresolved issue, unresolved problem in the world. So Jesus wanted to make the point that his body was like bread. And bread, as it is in our culture and in the Middle Eastern culture, bread is the base um, staple of the diet. And bread represents our basic need or our basic hunger and basic appetite. And Jesus said, I embody that. I am the greatest thing that you could ever need in your life, in your heart. And Jesus said to his disciples that night, this bread is as my body 
take it and eat ye all of it. And so let's eat that together in Jesus' name. Jesus, we're thankful for your body today that was broken for us. We thank you for that. And that same night he took the cup and he said, this this wine is a representation of the new covenant, which is my blood poured out for you. And that's amazing that Jesus poured out his blood for us. It's amazing, isn't it? Can you imagine someone loving you so much that they would pour out their blood for you? That's amazing. There's no greater lover in the universe than Jesus Christ. And he did that for us. And so as we drink this, we can remember that all of our sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And let's drink this together in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, you have been here, you have visited us, you have spoken to us, and we want to be recipients of that love in our heart. Bless our day, this week that's before us, and again, bless those folks that need a special touch from heaven with their health. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Stand together and sing one more song before we close. Oh. 